Kia ora, welcome to the Gnosis Hour. This is me, Philly C, and my co-host. Hello, Lady Lightsmith. Lovely to be with you today. Yeah, so today we would like to talk about living from the heart, or maybe living in the heart, and what does that mean, and what are the various aspects of that. So I guess I'll start by saying that it's about being very honest with yourself emotionally and sort of fully experiencing those emotions. And um, yeah, I guess it's a state of authenticity where, uh, yeah, where we're, we're true with ourselves from moment to moment. Does, does that sound? That accurate? sounds really, really good. Yeah, for me, I'm thinking my journey um, kind of in the 60s and 70s, we were all about being in the third eye. It was all about visions and, you know, also ascension. Hmm. It was about, um, that was very much, I mean, we, we thought we were living in the heart, but I don't think we were, we were really embodied. And I think in order to really be in the heart, you have to be embodied. And I think it's, it's kind of like we've been journeying up to the crown and now it's kind of coming back down and centering the energy from the earth and the heavens or the sun, however you want to look at it, the great central sun, in the heart and being fully in our bodies and risking feeling the emotions in our bodies as mm-hmm. well and then taking responsibility for them so that you, you, we, and all of us heal our emotions so that we can we can be in our heart because I think a lot of the spiritual bypass that was going on as well in the in the 80s and 90s and you know up till really recently when there seems to be a really big reversal it was all about you know kind of like a tyranny of love and light nobody wanted to feel what was going on in their bodies and in their hearts and it seems to me now there's this very beautiful thing where people are saying okay time to heal our emotions time to get back in our bodies and also let's do this together Mm. which i think is really nice yeah that that's a big part of it i think uh has been coming home for me this idea of being together doing it together the the heart implies connection it it implies relationship unity community and uh like you're saying lady lightsmith that that involves some nitty-gritty. Like, is our heart open enough, open enough to actually have a real dialogue with people we've got conflict with, with parts of ourselves we've got conflict with, with things we don't agree with, to, like, to open to all of these things? Um, it can be painful. It can be uncomfortable. And there's a whole range of emotions to experience and go through. And that seems to be a big part of this awakening and, and coming into the heart is being willing to actually bear things and to actually involve yourself with things. Um, yeah. So I, I totally agree that we're, we're coming out of the third, the third eye and insight is great. And I love it. Mm. It's actually one of my favorites, but yeah, coming into our heart is that deep connection. And I think realistically coming into that space in most of our lives and just on maybe a societal or a global scale that, you know, there's a, there's some pain to experience, some mm. pain to accept. There's some. There's a lot of compromised situations. There's people suffering. There's social injustice. There's, 
you know, so many things that are um, for us to open to. Like, and they're painful at first, I think. But once we're like, okay, this is a this is an issue, and, and these these people are suffering, and, and but then we open our heart to it, and we're actually used to have a real dialogue around it, and no one's defensive. Then that uh, that pain is is transitioning into like such a good feeling of like I I actually incorporated and integrated and welcomed in this other part of myself that I was resisting before because it just seemed like so like way too painful to even go there, and I I feel I see that so much in my own life that. I, for me, being in the heart is continually opening to these things that I have been close to, and I'm, I may not even been realized I was close to them. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, a good summing up of that journey. I mean, for me as well, it's also been about um, learning discernment because I think I used to feel that in order to be in my heart, I had to kind of let everybody in, and um, I, you know, not have boundaries. And I, I don't think I understood what true compassion was. And, um, and I think what I mean by that is I, I believe unconditional love is compassion and non-judgment. But it, it also means having discernment and boundaries, you know, loving yourself as well. And it doesn't necessarily mean letting every situation in your life um, happen to you. It mm. means taking responsibility. It's like being your own parent in a way. And kind of, you, you, in a way, it's sort of like moving away from enabling and thinking, I've got to fix this. I've got to help this person. I've got to, you know, being out of alignment with your heart when your heart is saying, no, that's not actually the right thing to do right now. That, that would actually be meddling, in fact. Mm. So it's, it's kind of getting, and, and that would also be not good for you. This is not where you should be right now. And I think when you're in your head doing these good things, um, you're actually not in alignment with, with the highest good, your own highest good and the highest good of all, which I believe are never opposed. So I think coming into the wisdom of the heart is a kind of an assurance that you're going to get not the head-led guidance, but the heart-led guidance, that enormous wisdom. And I think uh, we've also had some amazing advancements in neuroscience that have been helpful. We have 40,000 neurocytes in our heart, so all the wisdom of the ancients that said we had a mind in our heart and an eye in our heart, I, I kind of love it when science proves that. So there is a kind of thinking aspect to our heart that is so strong that they're now actually differentiating between the cranial brain, the second brain, which they say is in our gut, where we have as many brain cells as a cat, and, and then our heart. So that, that means like all the... All the ideas of an intuition and gut instinct are completely um, validated. And I think the cranial brain has a lot of good to do for us. But evidently, the information in our second brain and our heart is sending more information upwards than the brain is sending downwards. So I think there's science is allowing us and aiding us with this shift in paradigm as well by giving us a new world view of um, how we actually really physically operate the heart also um is is a great um expeller of oxytocin which is the love hormone um so and that's what makes not only mothers like uh, love their newborn babies but it it's the hormone that we release when we're pair bonding with friends partners etc so it's kind of interesting when you think that the physical 
like the old mystical saying, as above, so below, the, phys- the physical is completely supporting the metaphysical, which mm. I think is helpful. Yeah, that's it's incredibly interesting that uh, in our, even on a physical level, even on a neurological level, it's there's this, we have to admit that there's several different consciousnesses or, or aspects operating within us. There'd be uh, a mental energy and there's literally a heart energy or consciousness. And then when we look at a system such as traditional Chinese medicine or um, the chakras, it's like, what are they talking about here? Oh, they, they're not being metaphorical at all. They're like, this is how you work. You've got different energies within you. And if we happen to be fairly fixated on the mental one, we were like, oh, I don't believe that. But like, it's just about this closer analysis of what actually a human being is. And I think I, I just remembered this one fact that um, from my study of internal martial arts, like the word for, there's like, there's one called, one is called Xing Yi. And it's, it's kind of like a, it's like a heart mind boxing. And they have this one word that literally, it means heart, but what they mean to say is mind. So it's like, there's kind of this conflation going on there that there's something that does thinking and guiding and has intelligence, but it's not, it's not a logical linear thought process. And there's really a lot to be said for that. Also, I just wanted to loop back round on what you were saying about, yeah, it's not necessarily meddling or involving ourselves with everything that uh, it's more of doing what your heart tells you, which sounds like a cliche, but what I'm, uh, what I mean to say is again, that, that heart is a guiding factor and it gives you a response from a situation. So it might be like your heart might say, Oh, the situation makes me feel uncomfortable. And you might decide, Oh, I'm going to feel into this. I'm going to see if I belong here. Or it might, your heart might just be like, you know, go and just be happy and be peaceful and, and be loving. And you don't actually need to be anywhere that you shouldn't be. So it's an interesting dialogue, really, that it's really up to us what we decide to do. Um, but I think it's really good for us and it's really good for everyone else if we are in a good state, if we're in a, a happy state. And I think the heart has got a lot of information a good information and guidance around how to get there because it's it seems to have a lot of emotional knowledge about um, what's what's blocked and when we uh, come into contact with certain people or ideas situations we'll get this immediate kind of feedback and we're like oh whoa that's that's a thing and um, it's there's a sort of information there around what can be worked with. Um, but yeah, I feel like you, you almost need to be a specialist to, um, to navigate all that. And there definitely are a lot of specialists, which, which is awesome. But I think for the, for someone, for the layman or for the person just coming into this, uh, some kind of guidance might be necessary. Mm. Well, I learned um, a lot about the heart working with horses and in England, um, on a farm, with Sun Tui, who was the um, was taught by Linda Kahanoff and um, Kathleen Berry Ingrams, and Linda Kahanoff wrote some amazing books called The Tao of Equus, and I think um, Border Between the Worlds. And horses horses are incredibly congruent. 
Um, what that means is they are aligned between thought, emotion, action. Humans tend to be very non-congruent or discordant. Um, so basically, they, they're highly emotionally literate, especially these horses that have been specially trained and love working with humans and are kind of like absolute geniuses. They have limbic fields that stretch a, a huge, um, huge amount away from them. And these limbic fields are like electromagnetic sensing fields that can feel something quite far away. Now, humans actually have massive limbic fields as well. And the field of our heart stretches at least 60 feet. Uh, there's no machine that can test it further than that. And it's something like 10 times further than our mental field. So uh, there's, I think there's another thing that starts to happen. And, and I'm not gonna, I'm, I won't be surprised at all if we start to really just move the whole concept of mind into the heart as we begin to understand that our electromagnetic fields are actually communicating with each other and with the world around us, uh, that you know, there, there is so much wisdom to be found when we drop into the heart. And I think that's how indigenous people found out what plants um, were, gave which remedies. I think they were actually in dialogue with the plants. I think that they were not having a good old chit-chat, but that they we're kind of having a chit-chat through the, through the energy fields. And I think that's something we lose when we jump out of our hearts and into our heads. And I also feel, um, you know, the rational mind, so to speak, is being, being out of touch with the heart, then loses touch with what is harmful and what is not harmful. Um, this whole idea of, of collateral damage, that it's okay to do something that is harmful to a certain part of the population because of the end goal, I think is something that the heart would never conceive of. Mm. I think the heart is the protector of life. And, um, you know, I think it's also got access to a very deep kind of love that is beyond emotion, that's a multidimensional love. Because when we're talking about the heart, we're also talking about that energy center. And if you think of the energy centers as converters of, you know, cosmic energy, galactic energy, downsizing it to become biological energy. All we are is energy. Everything is energy. Every single body of ours, the mental, emotional, physical, and etheric, our, our higher selves, etc., are just energy waves in space. So when we, we, I think it's also our portal to the multidimensional realms, and I think it's probably a safer way than our third eye, because I think our third eye which loves events, especially visionary events, is very attracted to the astral realm, where there's all sorts of debris and a few wonderful things as well. But the heart is going to go to the, the highest and the most refined place. And I think that the love, that the kind of magnetized love that literally coheres our atoms into place and keeps the planets into orbit is a kind of universal love that when we're speaking of unconditional love, I think we're kind of grasping for that kind of love. It's mm -hmm. beyond the emotions. And so I think there, that there's like a portal in our hearts, a place where the presence of the divine anchors is in the heart and that we can actually access other dimensions there as well. I, I fully agree that, uh, yeah, there's a, there's an access way there and that it might be more direct than going through the third eye i know from doing ceremonies with 
with plant medicine and staying up and chanting and singing and blessing and just really connecting like that there are there there are there's different objectives that there might be like have a vision or just like you know get some guidance or something but then there could be the kind of ceremony where it's just like when you're done that you are just completely open and you have nothing but love for your fellow human beings and you've just kind of dropped all your shit and so it's like there's these different kind of spiritual objectives almost or or methods or means and i really agree that um the realm the visionary realm or the astral realm can potentially um have a lot of dead ends or but when we come into our heart it's got it never ceases to provide valuable feedback and and guidance um so i'm not saying that it's not good to to have visions and to go into the visionary realm but i think foremost if we are come into our heart and embody ourselves there then we won't uh, actually be ever be led astray going into those visionary realms because we can feel into our heart with everything we interact with so i guess it's a little bit like the actual physical real world you know they say that all that glitters is not gold and sometimes a situation might seem very attractive and appealing someone might be offering you kind of adoration or friendship or pleasure or recognition or money or something but then you kind of you feel into it and you're like oh this feels really wrong it feels really bad and um you'd be going against yourself if you went into that situation and you agreed with it and you you went into that contract so it's like the heart is this kind of yeah it is it is more instinctive because you're you're saying about the second brain that kind of gut feeling mm-hmm. i feel like the heart is just like a a sort of a a more magnified version of that it sort of and you you're able to navigate you don't know why you're navigating like that but you are and i i i hear stories of so many um great beings who say they they just have trust and why do they have trust in life because they've learned to trust that inner essence or that inner guidance so that they don't know what's going to happen but they don't mind what happens and also they they trust themselves and they are coming from that heart space you know that um things are going to be expensive and good and, and healing yeah <laughs> dogs barking um well anyway we'll carry on with the dog barking yeah it's interesting you're talking about plant medicine i had um my journeys with plant medicine as well and uh my particular um journeys in the amazon um was with the grandmother sushipipo grandmother shamans so my my um my experience with the fruit of the vine so to speak was very very heart led based on their own energy and um you know it it turned out to be very visionary but also deeply humbling uh and also very deep clearing of the heart and also a kind of um call to to work on the heart levels of of my fellow beings by seeing them as 
their true selves. And what I mean by that is like if you can, if we can look beyond, um, you know, the the kind of armor that we all create to negotiate the world, the the borrowed identity, and see that that being in their true essence, which I think we do with the eye of the heart, um, we're actually kind of inviting it to emerge. And that's what happened in those ceremonies, um, one of which was very harrowing as I went into my heart and cleared things that needed to be cleared, which I would not recommend for anybody, but it was pretty good at the, you know, in the final analysis. Um, but, you know, it was, it was deeply, deeply loving because they were, they were elders and they were able to hold that heart energy. And I really think anybody experimenting with any of that um, highly advise that they, they work with the heart energy because as Felicity says, you know, it keeps you, keeps you on track, keeps you on that, that ray, that wisdom ray. I also think, um, and studying, um, you know, different ways to manifest that we bring in the, um, the power of our presence or the, the, all that is the God self, the universal self through the heart. And there's like, a threefold flame where that presence is anchored. Um, there is kind of a scientific knowledge of how we can become conscious creators through actually understanding that threefold flame of love, wisdom, and power in the heart. And I think a lot of us, especially those of us who are trying to help the world move into a more co- cohesive, coherent, holistic state, often shy away from power because we've seen power abuse so much, but we really need, we need power. Power is essential. Power is essential to manifest and, and build a new world together. But if we work from the power in the heart, tempered by the love in the heart and the wisdom in the heart, we're not talking about power over. We're talking about true power, the power to animate and move things and, and also make things happen, whether through a goal orientation or total surrender, uh, we still need to act. You know, we're here on earth to, to act. And I feel like we can act in a surrendered way, surrender to the heart, but still, it still is about taking steps, whether that's to, um, you know, fulfill a dream, manifest something of, um, beauty, manifest your medicine for the world, help somebody, be in love with somebody, whatever, all these are about taking action. But if we take it from our head, I think we create a lot of stress for ourselves. We think about steps, we think about goals, we think about time. And when we're in our heart, we're just sort of offline to all those things. Yeah, that's so much to do with the energy we go into something with. We go into a particular idea or venture and I know during my journey, I've got caught out with this so many times where I, I would have a great idea or something, but then through basically going about it in such a mental, such an intellectual way, yeah, it would become stressful. The whole energy of the thing would start to destabilize. Eventually, I'd lose interest and I would just have to let it go. And, you know, that may have been, that may have brought some beautiful fruit. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But the thing is, the thing that I learned is that if we come in with this heart energy of um, humility and, and temperance, then it, it changes the result because, you know, everyone 
you've got to interact with and all the situations you've got to move through to, to create something, you're being led by that and things will respond to you accordingly. So it's just kind of a resonance, I guess. That's a big word for the heart is a resonance. So we're able to, that it's like a sound wave. It resonates. It, it shakes the other things around it in a similar manner. Or you could say, you know, like in, a, in music, those things have a similar enough pitch or, or the right difference in pitch that it, it sounds pleasant. It sounds harmonic. So there's some kind of metaphor there with music and with sound. And, uh, yeah, with that heart energy, it tends to have a very harmonious effect. So, yeah, like uh, we can see in history that people have they've been inspired to like, I need to take responsibility for society. I need to bring structure and order and all of these things. And they fully believe that they're doing it to uh, to avoid chaos, avoid destruction, avoid harm and all of these things. But without bringing in the heart energy of harmony and balance and, and peace, then those things just become tyrannical. Those things become draconian um, because they're too mental. They're too much, you know, head or thought led. So there is something in the heart that is, self-balancing and it stops us from going too far because I think there's definitely a time for being analytical and for actually not quite judgmental but to be like okay this will work and this won't work so we'll do what we'll do what works but then if we stay in that mode too long then inevitably someone gets hurt and um, it's because we're not listening to ourselves and I've noticed this time and time again I've observed it in my life. I've observed it in other people's life that I feel that this must be why so many masters are like, just stay in your heart, you know, just don't worry about trying to do this and that and just, just be here now. And yeah, I guess that's another point is it's something to do with being very present. Mm, I think that's very true. Yeah. I think if you, um, if you peel away all the identity that we collect for this earth journey, um, what have you got left? I mean, the heart is the first organ to develop in the womb, and from the heart come the little hand buds. And so our, our hands are very much connected to our heart. That seems to me a pretty big message of how we're supposed to, um, you know, negotiate our lives. I think um, the worldview started changing about 6,000 years ago when we stopped um, being nomads and we started to kind of organize Earth. You know, we were saying, you know, we rule Earth. That that started happening in different ways about 6,000 years ago. And this this gradually kind of increased until, um, you know, Plato, who was about 2,500 years ago, the great philosopher, said, uh, our, you know, our soul is contained in our head, which is a sphere like the spheres in the heavens and, and is just locomoting on this vehicle. And I think it reached its low point with Richard Dawkins saying, we're just selfish, fleshy robots. I think that's the end game of, of forgetting about the body and the heart. And I think um, moving back into the heart, we're moving back into the emotions. Um, we've lost, we lost in our, in our journey to um, reason, which, which brought a lot of good things to the world, like Felicity was saying, like justice and um, the analytics and, and all sorts. 
but but doing it without the heart, there did there has become a tyranny, which we can see very obviously on Earth, and um, a sense that the end goal is worth worth such great harm that's happening to children and the vulnerable and to our Earth. And I think uh, coming back into the heart, this this journey of coming back into the heart is also coming back into emotional literacy being as important as intellectual literacy. And that's actually very new. That's only been in the past 25 years that anybody started to talk about this, amazingly enough. And it kind of happened around um, the mid-90s of the last century when the Vietnam vets in America were saying the talk therapy is doing no good. And they started giving them MRIs, a functional uh, magnetic resonance imagery, and they were seeing, wow, um, this one's in fight or flight and their brain looks like a mass of bees. This one's in paralysis and their brain looks like a blank slate. So this was actually the beginning, and there were a few others as well, to actually seeing what emotion, the, emotion, the import emotions had. And now the studies are quite extraordinary 25 years later with these great neuroscientists like Antonio Damasio, who had to fight to be able to study emotions, uh, saying that if we have emotional congruence, if our emotions are clear and healed, our intellectual capacity triples and quadruples. Our ability to discern uh, is so much higher. We can create harmonic functioning in, um, in ourselves and in groups, which has enormous um, positive social consequences. So I think next door to coming back to the heart is also where we started this conversation, being brave about getting into healing our emotions, feeling into our bodies, using all the different methods which have been done shamanically, indigenously, and are now finding new ways coming into Western culture, many of them creative, uh, you know, cathartic healing. So you actually go back and release the pain that was suppressed at the time, that you're spending about 80% of your energy suppressing. So not only are you using all of this valuable energy, um, you're suppressing that emotion, which will leap out and burn a friend or a partner at an unsuspected moment and then go way back down there. And I think once we start this journey of uh, clearing our emotions, we get to a point of self-responsibility. Following that, we get to this mirror point where we go, wow, okay, this person is shouting at me. They're really angry. What anger am I suppressing that would draw that into my life? Or they're really afraid because I just got really angry. What fear is my anger covering up in myself? So just this kind of ruthless coming back to oneself and self-responsibility that I think this journey to emotional literacy in the heart brings us to. Mm, yeah, I I feel that, I feel what you're saying is is so true that coming into the heart, living from the heart means, it means a healing journey. So, um, you, like I was saying, uh, in, in the first instance, it's about authenticity that is acknowledging all of these wounds that we accrue over the course of our lives. But I guess it's even deeper than that because um, some of the stuff is deeply suppressed, deeply held. And uh, on a physical level, somehow all of those deviations, all of those 
points where we got really freaked out or really afraid or felt attacked or couldn't express ourselves, somehow they're stored. And we don't fully have the science to describe this, but we know on an experiential level and on a therapeutic level that that's essentially what occurs. That um, what we're fighting for is a society that doesn't create a human being who is just full of full of blocks, full of wounds and hurts. And I guess if I would say that the the spiritual community or the New Age community has any kind of goal or agenda, uh, I guess they, they might have multiple, but I'd say in their truest sense, they're like, hey, people, we've got methods, we've got processes, we can heal ourselves, we can heal our emotions. And look what happens when we do. We become these hyper-functioning very open, very connected, very loving people. And if we can look at those examples of people who are doing that and not be challenged by it and not be dismissive, then it's, I mean, that's what I was like when I first came into this realm. I was like, who are these people and who are they trying to be? But then when I got past my defensiveness, I I said, that's what I want. That's what I want to be. I want to be loving and open and have amazing connections and have a life full of so many great things. But I had to be honest myself, I can't actually live that life now because I'm kind of in a continual crises mode. And um, it took time to to accept that and then actually use methods, modalities to clear, clear the trauma. And it's an ongoing process. You know, I don't think any of us can say 100% I'm done. You know, <laughs> mm. I've, I've finished with all my, my crap and my trauma, but you know it's an ongoing process and the more you go into it the more um yeah you get it you get a taste for it and you're like well you know i've done all this clearing i feel great so i'm just going to keep going and um open more and more until i'm not you know i'm not triggered by events i'm not triggered by people and that's such a beautiful thing and that it's just that essential approach or way of looking at it that that's the only real thing. I just changed my life to focus more on that for myself. And having done a bit of it for myself, now I'm like, well, I can, I can open up the dialogue for other people as well. Mm. Yeah, I think the more we clear ourselves, the more compassion we have for others as well. Because we can just, we can, um, having been through all the steps, we can look at someone else and say, you know, without judgment, oh, okay, they're in that place. And instead of reacting, as we may have in earlier days, um, either be still, which is so much easier when you've started the, the big journey of clearing your emotions. I think all, I, I think it's very difficult to clear to to find stillness without without starting to heal your emotions. And I have a lot of sympathy for those dudes who went up into the mountains and spent many many lifetimes meditating, whittling away. Because, you know, all these techniques we have now, uh, these very sophisticated techniques for healing our emotions, we can, get, we can get into a deep stillness. Although, having said that, we have so much noise pollution and energy wave pollution in our lives, it's very questionable if we can ever get as deep as, as we could in those, you know, that they could in those former times. But, um, yeah, I, I feel the compassion really comes from our own self-healing. Um, we don't react anymore. We we aren't triggered, or we are triggered, and we we bring ourselves back to our process, work out what's going on, and step out of story. Try to move into compassion, 
And we, we approach it very differently than we might have in those days when we just either go completely into victim mode or completely into blame and projection mode. And the other thing I think is really important is that emotions have huge power. There are no bad emotions. All emotions are beautiful color palette of our souls. And um, when we're not giving them away by blaming and projecting, we're actually holding on to that power for our own use because it's, it's our our, um, you know, our emotion. And all those years when we give away our anger by throwing it at someone um, and our grief by blaming it on someone, etc., we're not holding on to it. We're not experiencing it. We're actually not experiencing the color palette of our own life. And we don't have those emotions as fuel because the emotional body, whether it's healed or unhealed, is our most energized body. It has a, it has a huge amount of power. And I think that, um, you know, apathy is caused by suppressed emotion. Motivation is a wonderful consequence of released emotion. I think it's very hard to find discipline and motivation for something you really want to do. If you're jumping all over the place with ADHD because you've got suppressed emotion and it's driving you around and making you uncomfortable and make, giving you anxiety. And we live in a world now where it's getting um, a little bit polarized Although I, I do see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, but in a lot of situations you see people just getting medicated for anxiety, for, um, you know, for troubles, where uh, there is this other movement going on of emotional literacy and getting into, getting back into the heart, living from the heart. Um, you know, we're both part of the Awakening Circle, which is one lovely initiative in um, Wellington and there are loads going on all around the planet, um, systems we both teach as well. Yeah. Helping people. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good um, insight, really, is the dialogue around mental health and what, you know, what does that relate to in actuality, in the body, in the emotions, in the energy. So... Well, even that term mental health is like there's something wrong with your brain or there's something wrong with how you think or, yeah, that and it, can it be corrected on that level? But more and more we're seeing through um, various exploration studies and therapies that mm, it's not really how you think almost seems to be a consequence of what's stored in in the body. Um what emotion is trapped in there. Um, so yeah, the whole, our whole topic of coming back into the heart is, is very much related to mental health and to well-being in general. So to come into our heart, um, we take responsibility for self-care and, and as uh, Lady Lightsmith was saying, um, we also become more compassionate and we start looking into the well-being of others and, if I look at um, some of the shortcomings of society, it seems to be that um, through systematizing things and through monetizing things, somehow there there is a lack of connection, there's a lack of compassion um, because by putting people into systems and through systems, it, it was stressful and, you know, you had to meet targets and you had to tick various boxes. And so in a lot of instances, people 
we would have to start coming against ourselves, going against what felt okay, permissible and all right. And yeah, I guess that's just a whole culture of, of trauma. And there's, there's something in there that the more we heal ourselves and the more we heal our world, the less we're okay with that because there is, there's a kind of effect where we become heavily um, bogged down by, by stored emotions or traumatized that we become sort of numb. You were saying earlier, like that's paralysis or something. And um, yeah, we become sort of very unfeeling so that we're able to deal with and bear with um, very unkind situations and quite oftentimes very extreme situations. And I think it's a, it's a biological thing. It's a defense mechanism because it's not going to do us any good to kind of break down um, in a life-threatening situation as a nomadic gatherer or hunter. We have to just go boom, like go time, and we have to make those decisions of running, fighting. and But it's not so useful in terms of um, reaching our highest potentials yeah, coming into all these like really interesting and amazing new realms of existence. Somehow we have to get past what's essentially just survival. Yeah, I think there's another thing that, that's really important um, that the heart offers as well, which is kind of along the lines of what you were just talking about. It's like if you're in the heart, you know, this, this raging um, argument on earth now between religion and science, God and not God, etc., kind of disappears. It becomes irrelevant because from the point of view of the heart, everything is sacred. You know, the, the heart sees life as sacred. So whether you want to, whatever you want to call that experience, whether you want to call it, call it divine and give it a name or just experience it, um, I think it brings you into what I experienced in my healing journey as the ultimate healing element, and which had been missing from everything I'd studied in and trained in, even though they were spiritual, they weren't actually embracing all of life as sacred and, um, and divine, you know, just basically seeing, seeing everything as divine, the same energy being clothed in one costume or another. And I think that's the province of the heart and the mind can stay up there arguing with all the definitions and the possible names and the not names, etc., where the heart is just emanating this incredible love and seeing everything as sacred and actually sometimes seeing even the light in everything where you have an absolute experience of what the divine in all living things looks like. And I think if we can move more into trying to experience life, experience what is sacred, experience what is divine, instead of working out what the name of it is or what the definition of it is, it's going to bring us much closer together, and it's certainly going to bring our individual selves into much higher coherence, much greater self-care and self-love, and from that, a greater ability to be loving to our fellow beings, whether they're humans, plants, animals, minerals, or any other type of being. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I feel I'm going to end today. I feel that was my offering. Get in there, experience the sacredness of the heart. Yeah, 
I, I think we did a pretty good job of exploring the heart. And yeah, similarly, I want to say, yeah, get, get, into, our, get into your heart. Well, let's start living in our hearts and see how beautiful that can be mm. in our lives. Um, I know that when I remember to do it, then things run smoothly. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and you sometimes get that really nice burning, buzzing feeling, which is a nice oh, yeah, little the, perk as well. The actual, yeah, actual sensation. Like, yeah. There's, there's a whole lot of things going on in there. And sometimes, yeah, there could be an ache or it could be a buzzing or a burning, like you say. Yeah. So maybe um, all of you listening, take some time to just put your hand on your heart and breathe into your heart and think of something that you love. And that's um, a technique that helps your your brain release beneficial hormones and chemicals and your heart start to respond to you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, embodying, embodying, embodying the heart, embodying yourself. That's all I've got to say. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, my dear fellow C. <laughs>